Hello and welcome to the Low Tech Lecture Series. The following is an unedited lecture of a topic tangential to the Low Technology Institute. The ideas expressed are those of the speaker. We hope you find it informative and entertaining. As it is unedited, audio quality varies. Stay tuned after the lecture for information about the Low Technology Institute and its other offerings, or find us at lowtechinstitute.wordpress.com. Thanks and enjoy. This lecture series is a recording of the class Archaeology in the Prehistoric World from the spring semester of 2017, taught by Scott Johnson. Okay, um, so I'll just get through what we on the Late Bronze Age. Um, yeah, I actually cover a lot of the things we just talked about in the alternate chapters. So you guys are reading the uh, chapter on Mesopotamia and Egypt and the Maya that, um, from my book, but the alternate chapters uh, in between them talk about a lot of the things, like talk more about domestication, talk about social structures and things like that. Um, and it is on reserve in the library if your interest is peaked, you can get, you can read them for free there. Um, so the late Bronze Age uh, from 1550 to 1200 BCE, again, just for general knowledge, I'm not going to ask you specifically those dates. Um, the area that of, of greatest interest during the Late Bronze Age is Anatolia, up in what is now um, Turkey. And there grew a large mm, society called, um, well, out of Hattusa. Um, and the Hattusians became the new imperial power, right? We just lost, or we just talked about um, Babylon and the, and the second rise of Babylon, things like that. Uh, or the earlier, for, pfft, sorry, I gotta catch where I am. Where am I? <laughs> oh, right, okay, right. Uh, so then in the late Bronze Age, the new power in the, on the neighborhood, the new, new kid on the block, um, are the Hattusians who lived, or who their capital was in uh, Turkey, and they had a multicultural sort of empire. They had many, many languages spoken under their dominion, and a lot of their rules were promulgated and put out in, um, in many languages. They seemed to embrace that multilingualism. Um, they bumped into the Egyptians, who were also unusually, and I'll talk about why this is unusual for the Egyptians, to come out of the valley and kind of take vassal states up along the Levant, or present-day uh, Israel. Uh, and the Hattusians ran into them, and they had conflict going back and forth. Um, eventually, they... Um, let me see. Uh, ba -ba -ba -ba. So the, the actual site of Hattusa is a little unusual. Um, it is up in an area with mountains, unlike the Babylon uh, or in these other places where it's a very flat floodplain and then they have these large um, buildings and things like this. This was actually up in the mountains already. And so it was a, a computer-drafted uh, image of Hattusa with a city wall very similar in nature to Babylon and other places we've seen already. But you can see it's kind of across a very hilly landscape, and it makes it, uh, I don't know, more visually interesting, not that that really matters. Um, but it just shows you that they're in a completely different uh, region. And they had a pretty robust uh, uh, capital that they, let, that they ran their empire out of. Uh, we know quite a lot about that. Well, 
you know a fair amount about them uh, from 25,000 tablets that were found at Hattusa that help us um, reconstruct. That's one of the reasons we know that so many languages were spoken within their empire and how large uh, ranging it was. Yeah, there's uh, some of their tablets. Um, ba -ba -ba. So the Levant, where, where are we at? Oh, sure, okay. Uh, so the Levant was um, first dominated by the Hittites and then uh, the Egyptians. And it kept going, they were kind of like, <laughs> surprise, surprise, uh, what is now Israel was at that time also fought over by varying waves of international uh, powers. So, you know, uh, when people say that the Middle East has been fought over for a long time, you can go back to, you know, 1500 BCE to see people fighting over this exact same area. Um, interestingly, uh, Egypt at this time, uh, we have kind of both points of view from this. Uh, at this time, the Amarna letters. Amarna is a site in Egypt that we'll talk about in a couple of weeks. But the Amarna letters were uh, Akkadian letters in Egypt, they were basically the, uh, the State Department or the Foreign Relations Office of uh, the Egyptian Kingdom. Uh, it was their letters to different powers at the time in the Middle East. And so they get this, all this correspondence going out and we can read it. And so it says like, oh no, we want this place or you get that place, we'll get this place. And it's trade deals. And it's all kinds of letters that kings send to each other, like, oh, great and wonderful king of so-and-so. Thank you for the gift of you know, 50 oxen and blah, 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 blah. Um, so it's, it's really neat to see the political interactions of this time uh, recorded so, I guess, in depth. And even that's just scratching the surface, really. There would have been a lot of other things as well um, that we'll never know about. Bum, bum, bum. Ugarit, where's Ugarit? Da, da, da. I'm going to skip that part because I want to get. I'm not going to talk about that. Burp, burp, burp. Sorry, just jumping down to the Iron Age because. Mm. Just to round up the late, the rest of the late Bronze Age. Um, in Lower Mesopotamia, around. Um, Babylon, Babylon is in resurgence again uh, and is basically running the show. Um, they were defeated by the Hittites, um, but they remain a major power in the area. Um, that's really all we need to know about Babylon. Blah, blah. Sorry, that's it. Okay. Iron Age. Yes. Uh, so the Iron Age um, from 1200 to 5500, excuse me, from uh, 550 BCE, so 1200 to 550 BCE, um, there's a Dark Age um, after the collapse at the end of the, um, of the late Bronze Age. And I'll talk about those collapses near the end. I'm kind of specifically skimming over them because we're going to talk about them a little more completely. Um, later on. So we have uh, one of the interesting groups that's uh, settling now uh, you might have heard of just because we live in a country, a Judeo-Christian. Uh, there's a lot of Judeo-Christian folks in our country, and so you might have heard of the term Philistines. Philistines were actually an actual group 
um, they settled in southern day Israel uh, in what is called the Pentopolis, or the it's Pentopolis is, means five cities, um, like Metropolis, right? Pentopolis, five. Um, down here in uh, southern uh, Egypt, Ekron, Eshdod, Gath, Gaza, and Ashkelon. Um, and that was actually where they were living. Um, we also see the Phoenicians at this time. The Phoenicians were a sea trading and uh, a sea trading empire, and they had uh, cities across the entire Mediterranean Sea. They were really the precursors to a lot of the um, the western uh, part of the Mediterranean, and helped infuse some of the. Uh, culture and knowledge of the Middle East into the rest of um, into the rest of the Mediterranean basin. Interestingly, the Phoenicians are kind of the beginning of where Roman history starts, because we're going to talk about Rome uh, pretty shortly here. And Carthage is a Phoenician town or city, really, port that was um, the fall of Carthage was really the stepping stone for the rise of Rome. So that's kind of how these puzzle pieces will fit in together. Um, up until now, there's been like nothing going on in Rome. Um, the Phoenicians actually uh, are responsible for our alphabet, which kind of sounds, well, actually, the, our alphabet started with the Egyptians, um, technically speaking. But uh, the Phoenicians had an alphabet. Um, they developed an alphabet. Remember, the rest of the symbols uh, that were used for writing at this time were largely syllables or logograms, kind of like the Chinese system or the Japanese system. The Phoenicians came up with a, um, an alphabet system, and they used that to tr across their trading empire. And if you know Greek, uh, the Greek alphabet, these are very similar to the Greek alphabet because the Greeks adopted it. And then the Etruscans adopted the Greek alphabet and changed it for their own use. And then the Etruscans taught the Romans their alphabet. And then the Romans kind of took over the whole place. And that's why we still use the Roman alphabet today, largely, with a few additions like J. Um, but you can see, if you look closely, some similarities passing down you know, 3,000 years. And A got turned on its side. Um, B also got turned around. Uh, this would be G, which doesn't really look too much like it, but that looks a lot like delta. Um, H, let's see, the L, not too dissimilar. M, N, right? So, oops, these are certainly uh, Q, largely unchanged, kind of, right? So there's certainly a lot of uh, similarities. You can see the, um, this is, the sign is Z, right? Uh, you can see the, mm, transition or transmission of some of these things, although not all, and obviously they've been changed. Backwards K, yeah, fun stuff. Um, at this time, we already see the emergence of uh, the group known as the Israelites, and interestingly, even by the, uh, by the early uh, Iron Age, 1,200 years ago, they were already not eating pigs, which is interesting because that's one of the most salient ancient features of both uh, Jews and then later um, Muslims, you can often tell that because the final analysis shows a lack of pigs, which is unusual because everyone around them is eating pigs, but they don't, which is kind of a fun, fun fact. Um, Assyria is a, let's see, do I have an Assyrian? Um, Assyria continues uh, 
during this time and peaks in the 600s. Um, Assyria grows to take over the entire Middle East, including Egypt. Um, when we talk about Egyptian history, we'll talk about the period that it was uh, overlorded by outside powers, which happened a couple of different times. Um, the Assyrians had a really highly effective army and internal organization that allowed them to really dominate this area for quite a long time. Um, Assyria sacked Israel in 722, which is the uh, famous uh, expulsion of the Jews from, um, from Israel and the beginning of their exile in Babylon, right? You've, um, if nothing else, you've heard of this with, uh, by the River of Babylon or the other reggae songs that talk about the exile, that uh, the diaspora that became a common trope in African diasporic or um, the diaspora is like outside of your original homeland. So the African di diaspora uh, is a quick way to refer to people who were brought out of Africa, usually against their will, um, and, uh, and uh, entered the, the new world as, uh, as slaves. And so they used a lot of the same thing. Anyway, I don't know why I'm getting into the reggae, why reggae uh, uses a lot of uh, Old Testament Babylon sorts of, uh, this is what they're referring to, the expulsion of, of Jews and their exile to Babylon. Um, that happened at this time in 722. Um, and Babylon, after Assyria collapsed, Babylon uh, reassumed dominance of the region until it was sac uh, sacked by the Persian Empire in 539 BC. Um, why don't I have a, where's Nineveh? Why don't I have, oh, okay, because I got behind, there we go. So uh, here's the Assyrian Empire. I was like, why don't I have pictures of the Assyrian Empire? Here it is. Uh, the Assyrian Empire, as you can see, grows um, from its heartland in the 800s to really, really just take over the whole area by the 600s before it collapses and Babylon regains. Um, and here are some of their um, really effective uh, warriors burning down a city, it looks like. So hooray. Um, they had archers. They had organized battalions of different groups. Uh, it was, uh, like I said, a really well-organized, uh, well-functioning uh, army. Um, here we have the Jews being exiled from Jerusalem and having to go um, to Babylon. This is the site of Nineveh, which you may have heard of uh, also from biblical fame. Um, it's just, uh, I don't bring that up. I don't keep harping on the, the Bible other than the fact that that is a cultural touchstone for many people in the United States. So I just bring it up for that reason, not to um, endorse or unendorse that uh, particular book. Okay, um, this is the longest lived capital of the Assyrian Empire. Uh, the royal palace itself was 500 meters wide, so five football fields uh, wide. Uh, it was sacked by the Babylonians in 612. So here's Babylon. Uh, this is more of the classical sort of Babylon, the Iron Age Babylon, which was a little bit bigger and more impressive than its um, Bronze Age uh, predecessor. Um, this is, and then that uh, was taken over by the Persian Empire, uh, just like the uh, uh, Assyrian Empire had taken over much of the Middle East. The Persian Empire took over all of the Middle East, all of Turkey, some of Greece, all of uh, Iran. Afghanistan, and all the way into, uh, through Pakistan, India, all through Egypt and North Africa. Persians were a big deal, um, 
and we'll talk about them again with the Egyptians and what they, how they overhauled the Egyptian system, but we're not going to get too deep into them today. This lasted for about 200 years until Alexander the Great uh, went back the other way. So this is basically tidal waves of different empires just taking over the Middle East. And, you know, things have changed so much lately, right? Um, and now we've gotten to cultural components, and it, but it's 220, so we're going to stop there. It's a perfect spot to stop because next time we'll get into cultural components. We'll talk about what life was like for average Mesopotamians. And then we'll talk all the way at the end about the collapse. I don't know why my, oh, I'm in the wrong slideshow. That's why I don't have those slides up. All right. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for listening to this low-tech lecture. Find out more by visiting our website, lowtechinstitute.wordpress.com. There you'll find the low-tech podcast, our blog, our event calendar, and other things going on around the Institute. You can subscribe to this lecture or our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and many other podcasting apps. The background music is Rachmaninoff's Piano Concerto No. 2 in C minor and is in the public domain. This podcast is under the Creative Commons Attribution and Sharealike License, meaning you're free to use and share it as long as you provide credit.